Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. So welcome back to FCN's podcast. Emily, what are we talking about this week? That's a great question, Josh, because you get to choose today. So we, okay. we, had a, we had a topic scheduled, and I'll tell you what that is in a second. But then I was talking to somebody earlier today who messaged me with a question about a previous episode that he had been listening to. And as I usually do, if somebody has a podcast question, I'm like, by the way, if there's anything you want us to talk about, let me know. So he presented another idea that I liked as well. So you get to choose today. All right. So what do I what am I choosing between? You are choosing between a conversation about how to get through a business transition period, which I'm realizing also kind of ties into what we were talking about, potentially talking about in a future episode. Anyway, okay. how do you get through a business transition period of spending money on automating things and being more efficient? Okay. And with the idea being you're automating, it's more efficient, which leaves you time to make more money, but you don't have the money yet to spend on automating, but you need to spend the money, that transition period. Okay, okay. Or client wins, specifically KPIs of client wins, as in what counts as a win? How are you tracking wins? How are you celebrating wins? How are you feeling this week? And the other one we will talk about in the future. In the future, yeah. At that point, it'll go on the list. Let's do client wins. I like that. Seems I like interesting. that too. I like them both, but this is more like responsive to the audience, and you're—I'm mm-hmm. told you're supposed to do that type of stuff. So. I mean, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I suppose. <laughs> and and specifically with client wins, some specific examples. Because okay. I, I would love it if it wasn't just a really general conversation, because obviously we Great. do a lot of general conversation because we want it to apply to all of you who are listening. But sometimes it can be useful to have the more specific examples as well. Sounds good. All right. So let's rock and roll. All right. So I didn't prepare anything either, but I honestly often don't anyway. But so client wins. Let's just start with how do you decide what to count as a client win? So we're going to start off real early with taking shots this week. Uh, You start (laughs) with your niche. (laughs) So you start start with your audience. So what is your, what are you trying to achieve, right? What What is the reason why your clients are coming to you? And what we want to do is we want to start identifying what are the things that they're going to care about. One of the biggest mistakes that coaches make is they focus on the wins that they cared about. <laughs> and so therefore, that's going to be the thing that the clients are going to care about, right? Um, other people will follow certain advice, right? So for example, uh, following Dave Ramsey's program, the big win you're going to celebrate is paying the smallest debt, right? And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It's just, it's generic. And when it's generic, it's not going to be as impactful, 
Right. And the, you know, the, the, just because something has helped a lot of people does not mean that it's helpful. Yeah, that's, yeah. And if you do something enough, any outcome is going to happen a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when we look at that idea, when we do generic things, yeah, a lot of people are going to be helped by that generic thing, but individual people, many of them are going to get left behind. So I think the first thing is, what are the things that clients are, that your specific niche, that your specific client is focused on, right? What are the things that they're worried about? What are the things that they are, that keep them up at night? Why did they come to you, right? Why did they hire you? Yeah. And those are the things we want to identify wins around, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Do we want to go through a specific example of identifying wins around a niche? We can do that. Or do we want to do more general and then move into that? I think that, I think that we'll, let's do general and okay. talk about specific, specific examples of the, of those generalities. Right. Okay. So, so then move on to how do you celebrate those wins once you've identified them? No, let's talk about some of the wins first. Okay. Okay. And then we can talk about how to celebrate them. Okay. So how do, so how do you figure out what those wins are? Right. And the first way to figure it out is to break down the, the needs that your client has mm-hmm. into big things and small things, mm. <laughs> big dog, little dog, right? Yeah. Small things are, are things that generally, not always, but generally are quicker wins, but they're also things that clients care less about, mm. right? They're not as big of a deal. So if you specialize in working with people that have more than $60,000 of student loan debt, and you've gotten the um, certified student loan planner designation, and you're really, really focused on that, those spe- that specific area, obviously, getting the the student loans accomplished are are dealt with okay notice i didn't say paid off but Mm -hmm. getting them dealt with that is going to be the big one that's going to be the reason why clients hired you that specific niche hired you that's what your marketing is focused around but that is not something that's going to happen in six months right it's not something that's happening in three years Right. right Uh, it's generally for most people going to be tied to a forgiveness program mm-hmm. if it's done responsibly and with the client's <laughs> best interests at heart, right? And so when we look at those forgiveness programs, you're talking about a 10 or a 25 year time period. So we should just wait 10 to 25 years to have a win. That's the problem, right? Right. So when you've got those big things, and generally when you're talking about Big reason why they came to you, it's something that's going to take a long time for them to deal with. Mm-hmm. What we want to do is we want to break them down into milestones, mm-hmm. celebrate the milestones. Right? So the first big win is if you're going for public student loan forgiveness is just getting the annual certification. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. That's the first. Actually, no, there's an earlier big win. The, the first big win is getting onto the right loan program to qualify for public student loan forgiveness. 
I was going to say getting a job that qualifies you for public student loan forgiveness. So I'm but assuming probably the already already has the job, but yeah, but yeah, getting the, yeah. so any of these steps that are like really key steps. Confirming that your job qualifies you for. Yeah. yeah. All of these would be really good things to count as wins. Mm-hmm. Right? And then you've got the, so those are the big wins and we need to break them down into smaller wins by identifying the milestones. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the easiest ways to do that is exactly what we kind of did just now, which Mm -hmm. is what are all of the criteria for qualifying for this? Mm. Each of those individual criteria is a win, right? Yeah. Then you've got the little things, things that bother people, but not really enough to be super motivating. (laughs) I'm not saying they're not motivating. They're just not super motivating, right? The things that constantly get put at the bottom of the to-do list. Yeah, yeah, it's relevant enough and annoying enough to be on the to-do list, but there's always things that are more important. Right. So an example of this would be might be something like, you know, in the in the um, if someone's trying to pay down credit card debt, right, and that's and they're they're really focused on that then that might be not using the tab at the bar on Friday night Mm. because you spend more when you run a tab than when you pay cash, right? Mm. And so that might be a little win. You're removing the credit card from your Amazon account so that when you have to check out, you have to go find your wallet. Right. So these are the types of things that that might be like little wins. They're not really that big of a deal. Setting a budget is generally not a big win for people. It's a little win. It's a big win for the coaches because we're like, yeah, budget, budget. Yay, this is exciting. And they're like, great. Yay. So when we look at those, those little wins, those things that are not really the felt pain of the client, that's the other things to look at. But if we emphasize those too much, we will lose the client. Yeah. Because you're celebrating things that people don't care about. Yeah. Right. So how do you balance between something that, not necessarily that they don't care about, that they that they don't see as a big deal, that you know, like a behavior thing, like, taking your card out of Amazon. Great. I did it. Now what? Where you're like, no, you don't understand. This is actually a big thing. Do you just keep it all bottled inside? Do you point out and be like, it might do you acknowledge, you know, going back to parenting techniques, yeah. which are just general good things, like validate the feelings. Like it might not feel like a big deal, or mm-hmm. I know this probably feels really minor to you in the work that I've done with other clients. I've noticed that this is a turning point or whatever. Yeah. How do you sort of balance that? But I know this is a big deal, but I also know that it doesn't feel like a big deal to them. So I I think one of the things you want to be very careful of is the Incredibles, the the line from the Incredibles. Everything is. Yeah. When everyone is special, no one is special. (laughs) And if you make a big deal about things that they don't care about, they're not going to care. You've trained them to not care about. The things that you say are amazing. And the things that they do care about Mm. because, oh yeah, who cares? I I got a big step toward my big felt pain. They celebrate everything, Mm -hmm. right? You know, trophies become meaningless when everyone gets one. (laughs) 
Hey now, hey now, I have a row of participation. My Gen X talking. Uh, my millennial uh, self, I like my, I my parents probably have them in a box somewhere, but you yeah. don't care. I'm yeah. sure I have a lot of participation trophies. <laughs> yeah. They don't matter as much as the ones that actually have numbers on them. Exactly. So what we want to do is we want to do big celebrations for the things that we can tie directly to and are to the client viewed as a big step toward their big felt pain. Mm -hmm. And for the other things, we want to recognize them, but downplay them. So the way I might phrase it to a client with regards to taking that credit card off of their Amazon account, mm -hmm. I might phrase it to the client of, this may not seem like a big deal, but I'm proud of you, right? Mm -hmm. the, this, it's a simple step, but a lot of people don't do it. Right. Either because they don't recognize the importance of it right, or how how it could possibly impact them. Right. And and, you know, I just want to recognize that that you did do that. And that's that was a good step. It's, a, it's not a big deal. Right. It's not going to change yeah. a huge amount, but it was an important step. Right. Mm -hmm. And by downplaying it, but still recognizing the win. You both you get kind of to get have your cake and eat it, too. Right. Yeah. You get to recognize the win with the client. And you also get to reserve the big celebrations for the things that the clients are actually going to care about, which, again, is specific to your niche, specific to that particular type of client or that particular client. Does the reaction that you should share change if the client comes to you and says, hey, guess what? I just took my card off my Amazon account. Then is it okay to reply with, wow, that's great. Good job. Okay yeah. match I mean, you want to match the client's enthusiasm. Okay. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So if they come to you with something where, you're, or maybe you're like, that really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but you're super excited about it and let's keep your motivation high. So that's amazing. I wouldn't even say it doesn't matter in the grand scheme Obvi of things. Obviously you yeah. don't say that to the client. Okay. That's, got it. Got it. Okay. That's, that's the, sorry. That was my external internal monologue. Right. Of, okay. I, that's not something that I suggested you do. And I really don't think it matters, but it's not going to hurt. And you're excited. So yeah, that's so exciting. Good job. Yeah. So maybe a little I think matching, differential between matching the internal a, and the external. Yeah. I think matching enthusiasm is a really important part of any type of mentoring and coaching. Yeah. Right. Um, we're not trying to smack them down when they're excited. Yeah. And we're also not trying to mold them into being copies of ourselves. What? I thought right. that was the goal. Oh, yeah. yeah, I guess you're right. So it's, you know, you, when you don't match enthusiasm, what you're really saying is what you care about, I don't care. Which is exactly what we were just talking about with what I care about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So do you want more examples or do we, should we move on to how? Let's, let's move on to how to celebrate because I have a feeling we might come up with more examples. And how to celebrate. Yeah. Other than obviously sitting in a client meeting saying, yay, good job. You did a thing. What are some other ways to celebrate? We'll go with you've established the big goal. You've established the milestones to get there. How do you celebrate those milestones? I think starting what I like to do is I like to start with helping them to or commiserating with them <laughs> in the difficulty of the journey. Right. Mm -hmm. So you know, going back to the student loan thing, sometimes just getting that first 
employer verification thing is really difficult because they have to talk to three different offices. So I, the second time it's easy because they know who to contact, right? Mm -hmm. But the first time it just took forever. And commiserating with them with like, yeah, they can't make it easy. It's not like it's coming out of your employer's pocket, but it's like they're trying to hide the ball, right? That can be really helpful because it helps them to validate the work that they did, that they mm. put it toward it, right? Somebody else sees that this was a pain in the butt and, and that it's okay that I feel like it And was. that you got it, yeah. And then creating some form of trophy with regard to it. For student loans, one of the things that I do is in my planning platform, in the digital vault, I have my clients upload all of their annual certifications. I do this for two reasons. Number one, I do this so that if they have any problems when they try to claim mm. the certification, we've got all of the documentation, the client doesn't have to worry about it, you know, I'm there to support them through it. Mm -hmm. But the other thing it does is it creates a nice little trophy case. Mm -hmm. There's your one, two, three, and four of the things that I did. Yeah. And so when we get to like, as we start getting to like the final few years or they're done, we'll go in and we'll take a look at the trophy case for a couple of minutes a year, right? And we'll just look at it and we'll say, okay, well, we're, we're at eight years. We've got all eight of the certifications, two more and we're done, right? Mm -hmm. And so creating trophies is a really, really helpful thing. Right now, trophies don't have to be certificates. Mm -hmm. right? So some people will create certificates for their clients. Sometimes I feel like, and this might be me projecting, this probably is me projecting quite a bit, but sometimes I feel like fake certificates are demotivating, right? Yeah, I know I, they are for me. <laughs> I wouldn't say that they're demotivating for me, but it's sort it feels empty. Yeah. Kind of. It's like great, I have this certificate that little, literally means nothing to anybody yeah. except my coach. And I guess me, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't exactly. know. Yeah. So, that, so that probably depends on your niche because I'm sure there are some groups of people who are like, oh my gosh, a certificate, this is awesome. Yeah. If right. your niche is people who love cert certificates or certifications, then maybe that would, yeah. Maybe, so what yeah. are some other than like, a you know physical digital certificate or you know here's the paperwork showing that you've done all these things what are some other examples of so, so I, trophies? Think, I think a big part of it is having systems that allow you to create the trophies naturally as part of your process right okay. so for example when i do you know trophies can be all over the place right mm -hmm. So again, I'm a financial planner. I work with people on investing in retirement and a bunch of other things. But one of the things that I have is little infographics that get produced once a year for the client. And it shows how far they are on their journey toward retirement and how far they are age-wise and financial-wise. So they can kind of see that gap between those two and see the gap narrowing, right? Hopefully. Hopefully. Right. <laughs> um, when we have a, uh, for risk, uh, the risk profile, right? I don't 
do risk tolerance. It's a part of the risk profile, but I do a risk profile. I have the original original there's the, the infographic for that includes both their risk profile and their original risk profile when we first started working together so that they can see how that's changed over time. Right. Yeah. Uh, net worth would be a great thing to create a trophy around. Right. And an annual thing that not, doesn't just show their net worth, but shows their progress over time. Right. All of those things, um, those progress things, doing that on an annual basis can be very, very, can be really nice, easy trophies to create. And what they all have in common is that they're not trophies for trophies sake. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what a certificate is. Yeah. Right. You paid off your first credit card. Here's our certificate for paying off your first credit card. <laughs> right. Right. What about the other three or right. 12 or yeah. Yeah. And it's just a piece of paper. Who cares? Right. Whereas what these are all, these are all primarily information tools to help do the work that we're going to do together and track their progress. And they also serve as trophies. And that's the way that's the, in my opinion, the best way to celebrate them is having things that it's not just that they're a trophy, but they're a trophy that actually means something mm-hmm. because it's documenting their progress or it's showing where they are or it's giving them insight into their finances as well as being a trophy. Right. Yeah. Or it's the backup documentation in case anything goes wrong with loans. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So when you have a functional purpose for the trophy, it makes the trophy feel more meaningful and not feel like you're just celebrating to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Right. So where do you fall on physical gifts? Because I know I've seen some people saying things like, oh, I send a handwritten note or I send a five dollar Starbucks gift card. Or a slightly better idea being like, oh, I, my niche is working with people who love to travel, so I send personalized luggage tags or something like that. Yeah, I would say handwritten note I love. I, I think when you can who, recognize- Who doesn't like them, getting mail? Exactly. <laughs> so when you can recognize someone with a handwritten note, something that's personal, I think that's, that's awesome. Um, you know, if you're going to print up a certificate, instead of printing up a certificate- print up little note cards that say congratulations right and and maybe have your logo on it and on the inside of it you write a handwritten note of you know they've done that and just send that off mm-hmm. and it's not just it's not some uh, again it's not a certificate for a certificate's sake it's a note like a get well card right yeah, it's it's personal it, exactly like wow this person took the time to physically yeah, right. write something, put it in the mail, and send it to me. Yeah. And so I love the idea of a handwritten note. Starbucks gift card, a $5 Starbucks gift card. Um, I don't like that at all. <laughs> and, and the main reason is because that feels like you are bribing them to do the right thing. And it's what's called in psychology an extrinsic motivation. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to be as effective. Well, an extrinsic factor, it's not motivating at all. But um, 
And, and so that, in my opinion, I think that that actually works against it, right? With that also um, in the, not the most recent AFC book study, but the one before that, it was a book called Predictably Irrational, which mm -hmm. is all about the psychology. I've got that book right over there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it was a fascinating book. It was hilarious to read because it was very clearly like 20 to 30 years old. Like some mm -hmm. of the references, you're like, oh yeah, that was a thing in the 90s. But yeah. anyway. My copy um, is 20 or 30 years old. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> but one thing it talked about there that, that I thought was super interesting was the difference between monetary gifts and non-monetary gifts. And as soon as you put like cash, or I would assume a gift card would fall in the same category. Like mm -hmm. if somebody comes, like we have a friend who comes and helps us do a lot of projects around our house because he's really good at that kind of thing. He enjoys it. Neither my husband nor I are. As soon as we're like, hey, thanks for helping us. Here's 20 bucks. It's like, wait, I just helped you put in a vent over your stove, which involved crawling through your attic to vent it outside and to like three times because I kept forgetting. And that's worth 20 bucks. As soon as you're like, oh my gosh, thanks. We're going to order pizza and I'm going to bake you brownies because your wife doesn't like chocolate, but you do. It's like, oh, great. That feels great. Even though it yeah. might have the same monetary value, having a dollar amount makes it an economic transaction as opposed to a social transaction. Yeah. So I'm not sure the gift card, the gift card sort of brings it into, yay, five bucks. Whereas spending five bucks on the personalized note or whatever has a different, yeah. it gives a it different, different feel. It's, it's why I... You know, I love getting gift cards for uh, presents because it, it's the person telling me I love you this many dollars. Yeah, which was the <laughs> one thing in there where I was like, yeah, but I do like getting gift cards sometimes. But I think it depends on what the thing is. I was joking about getting I gift know. cards. I, I don't like it. Sometimes I like getting gift cards. Depends yeah. on if it's somebody who knows me, gift card. Eh. If it's a random stranger, please just get me a gift card instead of something that you think I might like that I probably won't. Anyway. I, so, you know, when I look at it, you know, so I don't like the idea of a gift card. I, mm -hmm. I think that it sends bad messages for a wide variety of reasons. Um, not the least of which is, you know, it's just not going to be it. it, it if it is, if it is effective, it's effective in a bad way. Because when you go away, the gift cards go away. <laughs> and then the reason to do the stuff goes away. Right. Completely different conversations, but that's why I don't like paying kids for chores. Yeah. Because yeah. then the, the like the money goes away and the doing stuff. Anyway, that's a different conversation. We could yeah. talk about that on a different day. Yeah. So what about the idea of a personalized physical gift that you know your niche would like? Like my niche's work is people who love to travel, so I buy them luggage tags. I, I think that that can work really, really well. I think a lot of it depends on the niche and it depends on why you're doing it mm. right yeah so i i like that idea if it's tied to certain accomplishments that they've had mm -hmm. i don't like that idea if it's tied to becoming a client yeah oh that's fair right. i'm not rewarding you because you just paid me a lot of money so i can help you i'm saying you just saved up to travel for the first time. You just saved up to pay for this upcoming trip in cash. Here's some luggage tags to, to sell you on your way. Yeah. 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 Um, so what are the questions that the person has? That was about it. Let me review. Okay. Um, 
if we wanted to do a rapid fire round, um, he works with a, he, he's got a slightly different situation. He works with a company, et cetera, but that the people that he resonates with best are solopreneurs and young married couples. So let's take solopreneurs and run through examples on that. What would be, how would we make goals and what would be good deliverables slash celebratory non-certificates? Trophies. Trophies is the word. we Trophies, yeah. So solopreneurs, probably the biggest things that are going to cause them to come to a financial helper, whether it's a financial planner or a financial coach, okay. um, most likely a big number of them. And again, this is where you start looking at your research. You identify what the pain points are, et cetera, et cetera. But a big number of them, it's the taxes, right? They are hit mm -hmm. by and surprised by taxes, oftentimes multiple years in a row. And so with that being the niche, that being the big pain point, we would want to have a bunch of things around taxes. So one of the examples might be, and this is probably appropriate for a financial coach that is also a CPA or CFP or an EA mm -hmm. or but going through and doing some projections and, and calculating out estimated taxes, the first big uh, you know, celebration point is, yay, you've just filled out, uh, you just sent in your first estimated taxes, quarterly estimated yay. taxes, right? So that's a big celebration point, right? Um, and then we might look at um celebrating you know a 20% drop in what the um in how far off we were right mm -hmm. so last year you were off by you know $43,000 20% of $43,000 is 8,600 so if we get down to 32 or 31,000 dollars that's celebration. So right? you went with $43,000 and then calculated 20% and subtracted. You could have just gone with like $10,000 which would have made the math way easier but you had to go and whatever. Anyway, yeah. That, okay, that makes sense. So, you know, and being able to celebrate and this is, you know, for all the coaches that are saying, well, why a 20% drop? Why not getting it down to zero? It's not going to happen. It's our time it, frame. Back to the yeah. student loans. Are we going to wait 10 years for a win? Are we going to wait 25 years for a win? Well, it's not just that. A lot of people who actually haven't, don't have a lot of experience in this, right? All the CPAs and the EAs and the CF and many of the CFPs, not all of them, but many of the CFPs listening to this, um, all the tax experts heard that and went, Oh yeah, that sounds about right. You're not going to get anywhere near twenty percent. Feels like a good target. First year. Yeah. People who don't have that level of expertise, so coaches who don't have that level of expertise in in taxes, will probably look at that. Well, it's just math, so why can't we hit zero? Right. Because it's never it's just, just math. <laughs> yeah, it's not realistic. Lesson number one of helping people with money: it's never just math. Right. Well, and even if the client does everything perfect and does the exact. It gives the estimated taxes on the exact calculations, you're still not going to hit it right on in the first. Yeah. It, it's a game of getting closer and closer every year. Yeah. Um, and that's just, it's reality because 
you are projecting the future as opposed to calculating it based yeah. on what you know happened last year. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so that would be what I would look at with with solopreneurs, you know, assuming that that's the big thing and that's what you're helping them with. Another shorter term thing that I've seen with some small solopreneurs where maybe they have maybe they don't quite qualify as solopreneurs, but they've got a side hustle of something that's mm -hmm. all messed up with their personal stuff. Yeah, just separating it's, it out. Just yeah. separating it out. That's a really yep. good first step of, okay, you opened a business bank account. Hooray. Okay, now yep. you're depositing money, all of your income into that business bank account. Yay. Now you're paying expenses out of that business bank account. Yay. Now you have a separate card for that. Yeah. 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 And so really, yeah, identifying what are the big milestones? What are the big things that you need to do? Yeah. Right? And just celebrating those to-dos. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Anything else to add? I don't think so. If we hit everything that they asked about, I'm good. Yeah, I think so. Um, as always, feel free to drop follow-up questions, comments, et cetera, in the comments of the Facebook Live or email us if you have stuff when you're listening to the podcast, info at financialcoachesnetwork.com. I think that's right. I don't usually say that. So this is a weird outro now, but it's all good. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, it also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.